Welcome back to the Nourished and Free podcast. If you're not already following the show, be sure you hit the follow button so that you never miss an episode. As a reminder, this is where we talk about how to heal our relationships with food, overcome things like binge eating and emotional eating and chronic dieting. And so a big part of that is actually talking about these diets. And so if you haven't already listened to my episode from March 14th about Weight Watchers, I highly recommend it. It's my full review on Weight Watchers. And as I was recording that episode, I was thinking like, man, I wish that I could just be a secret agent and go undercover and be a coach for them so that I could just learn the ins and outs of how this how this company is really run. And so after I recorded that episode, I thought of Randy Cox. Randy is somebody who I've connected with on Instagram and she is a former Weight Watchers coach. And I thought who best to hear the inside scoop on Weight Watchers from than Randy. So I'm really excited for you to hear this conversation with with her for this inside perspective on what Weight Watchers is really like. Randy actually hosts her own podcast too. It's called Life is Too Short for Weight Watchers, which I love. And it offers inspiration and guidance for individuals who are looking to improve their body image and relationship with food. Because let's face it, your body was never the problem, and Randy's here to remind you of that. So before I dive into this episode, just a quick reminder that I have no idea if you enjoyed this episode unless you actually tell me. So you can do that in a few ways. You can leave a rating on Apple Podcasts, and I think you can on Spotify too. You can actually write a review as well if you really want to tell me how you feel. And you can come over into Instagram and you can send me a direct message. I've got the link to my Instagram in the show notes. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this podcast, especially this episode. Okay, without further ado, welcome to the show, Randy. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I am super excited to have you here. I don't know if you know this, but I just did a full dietitian review on Weight Watchers a couple months ago, maybe a month ago now. Anyway, I did like an article and podcast, the whole shebang. And I have had a lot of clients come to me post breaking up with Weight Watchers. And I just was like, I know this is a really horrible thing. But once I really did a full review, I was like, oh, my gosh, (laughs) there are so many red flags. I can't count them. (laughs) (laughs) So share with me. What was the first time, or I guess what led you to starting Weight Watchers in the first place? And what was that first time like? Yeah. um, So I think like what ultimately led me into the meeting room, um, I was at my cousin's wedding and we got photos taken and I was the biggest one out of all my cousins. And I'd always heard my grandma tell me like, you're bigger than your cousins. You need to be smaller. And like our bodies were constantly compared. So when I saw that picture, like, right laid out in front of me. I was like, Oh yeah. Okay. So I like searched a few different diets and like went on and did like the intro and Googled them all. And Weight Watchers was the one that promised me the most. And there was like scores of happiness and the smaller gene size. And we all know it's not actually a diet. I say sarcastically and they sold it as this very easy, maintainable lifestyle. Like you just have to track your points and you're good to go and you'll be happy and healthy and confident. And I really was like, yeah, this is what I want to do. So I joined, um, I was a very (laughs) religious follower of the program. I tracked all my points. I drank all my water. I checked off all the little boxes I needed to check off. So I was brought into an open house to speak And 
I mean, I am an extrovert. I love talking in front of people. So I was like, yeah, okay. And I shared my journey through weight loss and shared all the glamorous parts about it. And then afterwards, the manager was like, how would you like to work for us? And in my wildest dreams, I was like, oh my gosh, you want me because I'm pretty and thin and I did it and I'm so successful and yes, okay, I'll work for you. So I ended up working for them for close to 10 years was my stint working with them. And yeah, I just thought to myself, like, how committed can I be? Like, if I work for them, there's no way I'll gain my weight back. And so it really became like my life's purpose to be thin. And I often say, like, I was the poster child for Weight Watchers. My face legitimately, they used my face for advertisements. And I became the poster child. And it was like my full-time job to stay in this body and stay thin. And it really felt like I was like just the epitome of health and just like this super confident person. And slowly over time that like chipped away at my soul, really. (laughs) I ended up like as science and our bodies do gaining weight back. And then I like doubled down and I started working another meeting and I took on another workshop because if I was doing it twice a week, there was no way I could gain the weight back. And yes, I did start gaining weight back. So then I started doing like paleo on top of Weight Watchers. And then I started making like a keto Weight Watchers hybrid diet and like just was constantly in this pursuit of thinness. Yeah. Something you said was so powerful. You said it became my full-time job to stay thin. Yeah. That's a lot of pressure. Yeah. And like we, as Weight Watchers leaders, um, or WW coaches, we had to actually weigh in and submit our weight to higher ups once a month. So you had your goal weight and we had to submit it. And once a month you submit it. And if you were like two pounds above, you were supposed to set up a meeting with your manager to like have your game plan on how you were going to get back to your goal weight. And I usually weighed in on Saturday mornings. That was when my workshop was. And like my Friday nights were terrible my friends would all be out having parties and I'd be like, let me just bring my chickpeas and my water and not have any fun. Or like I would miss pizza nights. Cause I was like, Oh my God, the sodium will make my weight fluctuate so much for the morning. So like I did not have a life any Friday nights. I missed out on so much stuff because mm-hmm. it was my job. I was, I love spin. I love yoga, but I was doing like, I did a 45 minute yoga class and a 45 minute spin class every day. And then I would go to work. I would come home from work. I would run 5K probably three or four times a week. Like Sundays would spend four or five hours measuring and weighing and prepping. And I was like, it it was a full-time job. Like if you calculated all the hours I spent maintaining this body, it was a full-time job. So it was supposed to be part-time, but really it was like you're working probably full two two full-time jobs, right? Yeah. Yeah. Man, that is like the fact that you said they had you submit your weight to your managers. I got chills all over my body experiencing like secondhand trauma (laughs) just from the concept of that. I mean, how did that make you feel? Like it was like living in terror essentially because like, and yeah, it was a part-time job. So I did two meetings a week on top of my full-time job. Um, And in those two meetings a week, like you had to be on, you had to be thin. There was such a pressure. And like, 
yeah, like as I'm saying it now, I can just like feel the anxiety of like how I constantly felt. Um, I'm like, we lied so much, like, because <laughs> I would be like, oh my gosh, I'm pointing too above what I'm supposed to be. And we'd like make deals as other Weight Watchers leaders to like fake our sign offs and submit our weights falsely because it was just like, it was so terrifying to like have to admit that you failed, which you didn't, but like that you failed the program that you were like point two above where you were supposed to be. Like it, it was such anxiety inducing and it, it stole so much of my life. Wow. So even if it was only 0.2 pounds above the agreed upon goal weight range, they would still have a meeting with you. Yeah. I never ended up having a meeting because I usually would. Yeah. I made some numbers. bargains. <laughs> Um, and I, like my territory manager was pretty lax and we'd just be like, Hey, I know I'm up, but like, I'll work on it. I'll add an extra run in. I'll drink some more water. Like you would always be like, here's my weight. And here's a million excuses of why it is that way. When you submitted, like it it was such a terrible way to live. Yeah. Which is interesting because like you were talking about how the appeal of Weight Watchers for you personally, and I think for a lot of people is this idea that it's easy to track points it's easy to make this your lifestyle it's just easy but really it's not to try and keep up with all of these things and I mean at the end of the day did you really find that tracking points was easy maybe you did but I'm I'm curious what your thoughts on that are I feel like in the beginning when you start out it's like a honeymoon phase and it's exciting and you're like oh I got my fun little tracker and my new little books and my shiny calculator (laughs) Now it's phone app, but like, it's like, oh, look at all these fun things that I get. And you are in like this honeymoon phase. And it is like, I think it does come easy at the beginning because it's, it's an excitement and you're like, I'm going to do all these great things for myself. And so I think people have great intentions of doing these things and it's so exciting, but then it doesn't, (laughs) it only can go so far and that excitement can go so far. And then eventually you're like, oh my God, I have to track. I have to do this. And yes, like the actual act of typing in a piece of food in an app is not difficult, like that actual action, but the intention behind it and the thoughts you have behind it and the like the weight that number has on who you are, like it just gets so tied up into who you are as a person. So the actual tracking of points is easy. Like anyone can open a phone app and put it in, but there's so much that weighs on that. Yeah. It's, it's maybe tactically easy, but emotionally it's not. And also pretty time consuming too, once you kind of add up all of that. Oh yeah. Like full-time job, like yeah. <laughs> getting your skill out and measuring and weighing oh, and man. It, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You mentioned that they brought you on to be a speaker because you're a lifetime member. Can you explain more to the audience what, a lifetime member is at Weight Watchers or WW. <laughs> yeah. So once you reach your goal weight, which is based on a calculation, has nothing to do about you. Um, once you reach this like elusive goal weight number, um, you become a lifetime member and you stop paying for weekly meetings. And then if you gain the weight back, which everybody does, um, you don't have to pay the registration fee again. Uh But my theory was if I work for them, I'll never have to pay again and they can pay me and I'll just like being in here once a week, I'll just be thin forever. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I've had clients tell me about 
the requirements to maintain that weight? Is it a two pound range or something like that? Yeah. So when you, and the program, like I, I've been out of it for three years, so it could be very different now, but. Okay. I was going to ask you that. So that's good to know three years. Well, I guess more like four now (laughs) time flies. Um, But yeah, so once you hit the goal, you have a six week time to like play with your points and see which points allow you to stay within a two pound range on either side, which. So when we talk about like maintaining weight, you're still forcing yourself to stay within a range. It's not like you hit your goal weight and like your body's like, okay, this is where I am. Like that's garbage. Um, So you have these six weeks to play and then you have to stay within that two pounds on either side range, or then you get charged for the week. Wow. So it's a lot of pressure. (laughs) No kidding. Yeah. My money's on the line here. And not only money, but like, it's a very public open space to weigh in. Like Mm. it's like public shaming almost like you stand on the scale and everyone knows like whether you've gone up or down and then like people just get so embarrassed, which yeah, (laughs) it's like publicly shaming. That really is. I can't think of a worse way to encourage somebody to be healthy. Yeah. And it's the farthest thing from health. Like um, when I was on my maintenance, I was like, I want to see how low I can go. Like I made it a challenge to myself. And my doctor actually told me, she's like, you need to stop. Mm. Like you have lost so much weight. You are extremely unhealthy on the other side. And like your body is going to stop functioning. So you need to stop. And I was like, but I really want to hit this number on the scale. (laughs) Yeah. It had nothing to do with health. And then I went and shared that my doctor told me that in a meeting room and I got a sticker for it and I got applauded for it. Mm. So like it's the farthest thing from health. Yeah. Wow. That's really powerful. Even though your doctor was like, you got to stop the community, the Weight Watchers community was like applauding you, rewarding you, recognizing you. Yeah. For being like clinically unhealthy. <laughs> yeah. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> so what was your breaking point, I guess, what kind of made you question the system and made you want to get out? Yeah. So I had always thought because like, I was a leader, I was the only one having these struggles. I was the only one that like Googled restaurant nutrition value. Like I was the only one. And slowly after time, I started seeing like all these members, like we had one member in my meeting who was like, I haven't been to a restaurant in over a year. And everyone was like, good job. And I was like, wait, what? Mm. Like, that's, that's not okay. Like we're not living. And so slowly after time, and I'm like, I worked with thousands of women through this program and men, but mainly women, but thousands of them. And like, I can count on my hand, one hand, how many people hit their goal weight and maintained it. Like, Mm. and the CFO of Weight Watchers actually came out a former CFO and said 84% of people fail. And that's how their business stays, like keeps going. (laughs) So a former CFO has actually been quoted saying it has an 84% fail rate. So I was slowly starting to see all these things and I could see the, the body image part of it. And like how the more people lost weight and myself included, the more I lost, I hated myself. I hated the way I looked. Everything became something to fix something to change. And my worth got so tied up in my waist size. And like, if I, I was a better human, if I could wear a smaller pair of jeans. And so I then found out I was pregnant and was like, I never want this future being 
to have to feel like they need to step foot into a meeting room. And I was like this mama bear overdrive protection of this like little tiny group of cells in my body that was like, this being is never like, I don't ever want to perpetuate that feeling that their body is not going to be enough. And I also had to start eating when I got pregnant because I was not feeding myself enough. So I, I remember I gained like, it was like 15 pounds within my first few months of being pregnant because I was had to eat. And it was like, my doctors were like, what are you doing? And I was like, I'm not dieting anymore. Like <laughs> I'm actually gaining weight. And so I like, I remember that. And I was like, I have to eat. I have to protect this little thing from feeling this way. And I was like, oh my gosh, if, if I'm okay with my future child, not going into a meeting room, like, why am I still putting myself in this? Why is it okay for me to be doing? And it just was kind of like a huge slap in the face. Like, what the heck am I doing? And then I was like, no, I'm done. I'm not doing this anymore. And um, so I stopped going to meetings and I was leaving anyways for maternity. And I was like, okay, I'm done. This is not a thing I'm going to be part of anymore. But then it was like, hey, what the heck do you do now? Like for so long, for so many years, we've been told that thin equals health. So if I'm not pursuing a diet, what am I supposed to do with my life? Like, And so it's been a very interesting journey over the past little bit of like rediscovering what life is and making peace with my body at a different size and post-pregnancy and aging and all that stuff. So, yeah. yeah. I love that you brought up how that was a slap in the face to realize I'm so protective over how you said a tiny little bundle of cells and I never want that who I haven't even met yet. You know, (laughs) I don't want that tiny like embryo peon of a human to ever experience (laughs) that. But yet I'm willing to like shame myself into that type of environment. And I think that's like, that in and of itself is so powerful. And I think women need to hear that if you're willing to, or I guess if you don't want your child to go through that and you don't want them to feel like their weight determines their happiness and their worth and they need to diet, then why are you okay telling yourself that, you know, yeah, it's crazy. And that- I get that question a lot now, like as a confidence coach, people are like, well, how do I instill body confidence in my daughter? And I'm like, you need to figure it out on your own first. Like that's, that's exactly it is like, you need to believe it about yourself and become a role model that embodies this like acceptance of your body and being able to live your life outside of a scale. 100% because they pick up on what they see, not necessarily what you say. And it's, you know, we all have stories of things that women have said that were adults when we were kids that stuck with us and made us, made us internalize this idea that, oh, I should earn my food or I have to fit into jeans in order to be attractive or whatever it is. And yeah, I think that's, uh, I get that question too. And I'm like, if they're a client of mine, I'm like, you're already doing it. You know, you're already working on it. <laughs> yeah. And it like, it's just such a normal thing, like not normal, but normalized in our society to like, yeah, like that's what you're supposed to be doing is you're supposed to be dying. You're dieting. You're supposed to be pursuing thinness at all costs. And like, that's what we are told and that's what we're meant to believe. So like, it is, it is scary to come out of that and go to the other side and do the work, but I'm so glad I did it. 
for my little girl. Yeah. And for me, but right. <laughs> for her too. Oh, it's beautiful. And and it is scary. I think that's important to to note is the or the transition from dieting. That I mean that really becomes something that makes you feel safe seeing those numbers on the scale or pursuing even just pursuing those numbers on the scale makes you feel like purpose driven and I've I've got a system and I'm working on my health and I'm doing the right thing and so to take it away is really intimidating for a lot of women. And as you said, you're a confidence coach. Now what's kind of like one of the things that you do to help your clients make that transition? I know there's probably a lot of things, but like what, (laughs) what is one of the main things that you tell your clients or anybody, any woman that's coming off of dieting after using that as a source of identity and even safety? Yeah. So my, like the main thing through my coaching is I help women empower themselves to detangle their waistline from their worth. Like you don't, they don't have to exist together. And so I am a big believer and practicer of body neutrality. Like you don't have to love your body. You don't have to enjoy your body to live a magical life. Like I am a body image and confidence coach. And there are days where I wake up and see my naked body out of the shower. And I'm like, oh my God, I hate my body. But those thoughts don't, they don't spiral anymore. They don't rule my life. They don't lead to a binge eat or like stress exercise. I'm like, okay, yeah, I know I'm allowed to have bad days. I can meet it with compassion and I can go on and exist in the world. Yeah. I really love that you brought up the neutrality piece of things and that you don't have to be obsessed with your body. I think that's, um, you know, when we swing from chronic dieting and body hate, so to speak, we try to go into, okay, well, what's the opposite of that? It's body positivity. And then we start to follow all these hashtags and creators and stuff that are all, all gung ho about everything and everything about their body, which can be helpful for the healing process. But I almost feel like it's very unrealistic And we start to set ourselves up for this like new set of expectations of like, well, now I have to be like that. And that's my new goal. So then we're just setting ourselves up to feel like a failure all over again, because it's actually so hard to get to that place. And what we see on social media with these body positive people, depending on the creator, obviously, is that they're just like confident all the time, no matter what. And that's so hard to get to. And so I love that you take the neutral neutrality approach as I do, because it is way more realistic to get to a place where it's just like, you know what? I don't feel great today about my body, but I'm not going to spiral. And I'm also not going to beat myself up because I don't like, I'm not obsessed with myself either. Taking boudoir photos every single day, you know, like, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like, I think that positivity space can be so helpful in your healing journey, but sometimes like we really just need to go neutral and that's way more attainable, you know? Yeah. And like, I've heard of people that are like, I just like, I look at myself every day in the mirror and I just tell myself I'm beautiful and I'm telling myself how pretty I am. And then I'm like, and how does that feel? And people are like, well, I feel like a failure. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's it. Is that we like try and convince our brains and to like we're create, trying to create these new neural pathways in our brains and our brains like heck no that's way too far out of our comfort zone that's not safe at all and then our we feel like failures once again so yeah that's like I really lie into the neutrality and I think like when you don't see your body as good or bad but as like in a vessel to experience life like it's here to 
your body is here so you can go and feel the five senses of life and just go forth and enjoy. And like, it doesn't have to be good or bad. Yeah. I love that. I do want to backtrack. I meant to ask you when you become, became an official coach for WW, was there any training involved, any kind of certifications or whatever that, um, (laughs) that they wanted you to do? (laughs) I'm laughing because yes, there was, um, I think it was two days in a hotel conference room, learning how to ask open-ended questions that like legitimately the biggest qualification you had to work with them was that you were thin. Like Mm. (laughs) that's it. And like, I don't know if this is true, but I've heard rumors of people being approached to work for certain weight loss companies just because they're thin and like had a before and after photo. Um, and that like, that's it. That was the biggest thing. So I feel like, yes, it was two days in a hotel room in like a conference room where we got taught how to like ask open-ended questions. And then we had to learn like the structure of Weight Watchers. So no, there's no nutrition advice. There's no dietetics. There's none of that. Yeah. (laughs) You're literally a thin body in front of a room. Yeah. You know, I was suspicious that that was going to be the answer, (laughs) but I needed to hear it from the source. Yeah. And Uh, I, like I said, I've been out of it for four years. It could be very different, but I would, I would bet not. (laughs) Yeah. Brandy. I mean, you've spilled so much tea already (laughs) with like the 84% stat and the, the fact that you have to report to your managers what your weight is and that all these things, but do you feel like there's anything else that Weight Watchers does not want us to know. I can't really think of anything off the top of the head. The most like the biggest thing I do people get shocked about is that I had to weigh in. Yeah. And then like when people are like, oh my gosh, you had to weigh in to have your job. And I'm like, well, you're weighing in for life right now. And I think that's what we do. Like, so if you heard that and you're still stepping on a scale, like that's what essentially you're doing is like you're stepping on the scale to see whether you can go have a good day or not. So like me weighing in for my job. It's like the same thing. So I just want people to like connect that, but yeah, the weighing in and then yeah, that former CFO that just kind of like let loose the stats. That yeah. was a great, great, <laughs> great share. <laughs> I wish that the, I wish that that would happen for all of these companies, Noom, Optavia, like you got to know that they've got similar stuff. They're just not saying it yet. I just <laughs> want to hear it <laughs> so badly. Yeah. And like I said, like I, I was good at my job. Like I towed the the line. I did everything I was supposed to do. I'm a very, like I'm a coach by nature. So like I can coach people. So like having thousands and thousands of people work with me. And like I said, very little people could reach their goal weight. So you are not failing. I think that's such an important mindset shift because we really are told that it's our fault. Even like with your managers and, and just the company saying like, okay, when you go outside of your weight range, you tell us what you're going to do to fix it. It's like, they're instilling that belief in you that it's your fault and that it's your problem. And it's a problem you got to fix, Yeah, which could, could not be farther from the truth. Well, this has been so good. And I am so excited for people (laughs) to listen to this. You have no idea. (laughs) 
so thank you so much for your time. I would love to know what you're working on that you would like to share with the audience. How can they find you? How can they connect with you? Yeah. So on Instagram, my handle is Randy Cox coaching and I'm going to be just off my microphone. <laughs> I'm going to be launching, um, a whole bunch of like mini courses on this, on how to ditch your diet, how to be confident. And they're going to be super reasonably priced, super accessible. And like, we're just going to do some coaching. We're going to do some one-on-one to get you feeling better about your body. Not necessarily better, but more neutral about your body, but that you can go and stop waiting and start living. I love it. Well, thank you so much for your time, Randy. It was such a joy to have you on the show. And um, I'm excited to hear the feedback on this episode. Yeah. Thank you for having me. 